podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. We all take on different roles every day. One minute you're a parent, the next a chef, or a driver. That's why the Volvo XC40 Recharge is designed to be as versatile as you are. It's fully electric and includes a 360-degree camera, Google built-in, and more. Contact your local retailer to learn more or visit volvocars.com US. The Volvo XC40 Recharge. For every you. Some equipment optional. Google is a trademark of Google LLC. five-year plan podcast pod 410 the final podcast of 2021 and we got two games to review uh, plus a kind of review of the year as well and to do that with me making up my five-a-side team today uh we've got kevin day uh goalkeeper you a goalkeeper i think in your uh, when you played kevin And, and how are you merry christmas uh, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year! I was uh, a goalkeeper. I was the goalkeeper in the London Ambulance Five-a-Side team that won the National Ambulance Five-a-Side tournament two years running. Uh, first time in Liverpool, and they fucking hated us. Second time in Manchester, and they fucking hated us even more. Gobby Cockney shites. But yes, I was a very good Five-a-Side goalkeeper actually, mainly good. mainly because of the big big bloke, small goal. Also, any injuries, you guys are absolutely sorted. So that's. Uh... Yeah, that's uh, that's helpful. Good, you can be our keeper. Um, I don't know who where the rest of the guys play, but let's find out. Dom Fifield, hello to you. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. And where do you play in a five side team? Um, God, I once got hooked at half time playing for the Scottish press pack against Moldova. Um, <laughs> I played left back that day and was directly involved in two of the goals we conceded in the first <laughs> half. So it was probably right to be pulled um, from from the from the from the action. I think we lost 6-2 in the end. Um, so I don't really play. That's the answer to that one. Okay, you can be on the bench. <laughs> for, we're, we're down to four already. Uh, <laughs> and talking of Scotland, the uh, every year in Edinburgh, comedians have a little kick about and put a team together. And one year for charity, Cowden Beef said, I'll tell you what, we'll play the comedians 11. And everyone laughed and we beat them. <laughs> 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 on their own ground. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, right, uh, Jack Pierce. Happy New Year. Have Merry Christmas. How are you? Thank you? And where do you want to play on our now four, four side team? Well, uh, just talking about career highlights, I once played for Moldova versus the Scottish <laughs> Press Park and, and had a blinder. You were the right wing. Yeah. Stands up changing their whole team at half time. I played really well. I had the beating of the left back all game. And, yeah, absolute treat. Uh, I'll, I'll sit in the middle. I'll, I'll play pivot and go, uh, go one side or the other. Will Hughes-esque, but not so much on the left-hand side. You know, just kind of a right-hand pivot. A bit like a broken clock. Just kind of, you know, it's going the same way the whole time. But, uh, Good. Well, I'm sure Will Hughes will come up in conversation at some oh, point. He, he will. He will, JP. He will. <laughs> good, good. Um, and Joe Walker, finalising, saving the best till last, our five-a-side team. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. And, and where do you want to play in our team? Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. I, if I have to refer back to probably my most esteemed football experience, and that's playing for the Junior Eagles away at Swindon when I was about eight. 
Well, and, uh, and my role there was everyone else was about two, three years older. So I, my job was to just run around and look involved. And that's that'll work in five aside, right? Just keep running until until it stops. <laughs> or <I'd> stop. <laughs> yeah, the Max Meyer role in the team, yes. but actually just don't be effective. <laughs> um Joe, Joe, we, you and I may have shared a six aside team at primary school, mate. Quite possibly. We've spoken about this off air, but not on on the episode. Yeah. Jack and I were in the same primary school in South Norwood. And the headmistress at the time was uh, late. If she wasn't then, she de- definitely did eventually marry Peter Nicholas. Mm-hmm. And so we would wow. get visits to the training ground. The t- primary school team would play in palaces. You know, that um, the away version of the, the 96 to 98 kit, the, the white one with the, the blue oh, lovely. diagonals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we looked very good. We weren't very good, but we looked very good. School admissions applications were through the roof. Mm-hmm. It was unbelievable. <laughs> Most popular intake in, in Croydon. Unbelievable. Good times. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, speaking of other good times, it's a terrible link. Um, uh, let's do a shout out to our one of our Brandon patrons. So let's get a drum roll, please, uh, for that. It's Mr. Richard Mellick. Hi Richard. Hi Richard. Hello Richard. Hello Richard. And you can join our Patreon just like Richard and get all the rewards like post-match podcasts, plenty of them last couple of weeks. Uh, Patreon-only merchandise and access to the Patreon-only Discord club at patreon.com forward slash FYP podcast. Uh, right, this week we are delighted to be sponsored by regular sponsors. We love them loads. Eternity Home Finance, a Croydon-based palace-supporting family-run mortgage and protection advisors for a free consultation on anything to do with mortgages and property portfolios. Email info at eternityhomefinance.com and quote the code FYP. Um, let's crack on with reviewing some games. Two games uh, to review. 3 nil defeat away at Spurs. And a 3-0 win at home to Norwich. So basically cancelling each other out uh, for this week's episode. Um, Kevin, we're going to focus on just a couple of instants from both games because uh, there's quite a lot to get through. The main talking point from the Spurs game, aside from the three goals conceded in quite, uh, well, two in quite quick succession, was Wilf's red card. Uh, his fifth red card for Crystal Palace uh, in his career. Um, and view sort of Palace... Uh, regulars seem to be sort of split between whether it was a deserved two yellows or certainly a, a harsh first yellow and maybe even possibly uh, maybe a deserved second, but in context, maybe a harsh red card. Where did you stand on, on Will's red? In all honesty, I think if we were punished by a refereeing decision, it was one from the week before when Harry Kane wasn't sent off when Harry Kane should have been clearly sent off. He should have missed yeah. that game because that was a straight red in, in everybody's book. So I think we were punished more by it. The first yellow card, <sighs> debatable. You'd want it if it, it was if it was against us. And it's the same with the second. The second one was a clear yellow card. Anyone who says the second wasn't a yellow card is, is wrong. And Wilf, I don't know, if Vieira was there, maybe he would have managed it differently. Maybe he would have spoken to him. I don't know. But John Moss... Yeah, he was a long way away from the from the decision, yeah, but he, he got it right somehow. I don't think you can argue with the second yellow. Know, the first one, debatable. But Wilf, yeah, how old is he now? 28, 29? We know 29. he gets we know he gets frustrated. If he hasn't learned to deal with it by now, he's never going to learn to deal with it, and he'll be targeted all the way through. People like Ward Prowse and will just go after him and get him booked, get him sent off. It's, it's 
we, we would do the same thing to other teams. So it's down to Wilf to, to sort it out. It's not down to other teams to not do it. It's down to Wilf to manage it, or it's down to us to manage his personality, basically. Um, Joe, there was a couple of other incidents over the weekend. Um, Ronaldo against Newcastle got booked for a very sort of late and high tackle. And then there was a clip of Mikel Antonio wrestling with a West uh, Watford defender. And both made me think if that had been Wilf, I think possibly maybe harsher sanctions would have happened. He does seem to get, I don't know if targeted by referees is the right phrase, but they certainly seem to come to games with a preconception about him. And I remember Kevin in the past has talked about Graham Pohl admitting that sometimes refs do go into games and they have preconceptions about certain players. And Will certainly does seem to have that. And he seems to have to walk a tighter tightrope than most as a result. Oh, very much so. I, th- I think... They, they. I think he's perceived by other clubs and probably referees as well as someone that plays. You know this, that that type of player plays on the edge. Mm. He says quite a lot to referees during a game. You can see it. He's very vocal. Um, he also seems to. You mentioned Vieira there, Kevin. Quite a lot at Celeste this season when he's on that side. Vieira and Zahara essentially arguing for much of the half mm. because I, I presume to keep trying to keep his temper down, stop reacting. Um, and, you know, I've, you, you see it quite often. A player that has had a, maybe bad challenges before, quite a tough tackler, they have been booked or sent off for challenges that are quite tame relatively, but their reputation has preceded them. And I think Zahar has a reputation as being quite gobby, being probably a pain in the backside. And I, I, I think it maybe sets him up inadvertently to, to be a bit more likely to get booked for that first incident, which I agree is, I don't think was a yellow card. It probably looked worse than it was. But then having, to, once you're in that situation, I, th- I think from then on, that second challenge is just, I don't know if it's a precedent where he has pushed people in the face before and gone unpunished for it. I remember he pushed Ward Prowse at half time in the face, very similar looking thing. And he's, well, he, he might've been booked for it before, but he wasn't honest second yellow maybe at those points and I don't know why you think you you could get away with that or it's just it's a self-destruct button from that point I have to say yeah and it was very weird actually because the tackle from Sanchez or the sort of blocking the ball didn't seem to sort of merit any sort of reaction but but Jack it it came uh five minutes after Kane had scored and then three minutes after Mora had doubled it was a killer five minutes of Palace in a in a game that was going to be hard anyway they'd had obviously Thought the game wasn't going ahead the night before. COVID had taken a few players out, including sort of Conor Gallagher. Then the game's going ahead. The players hadn't stayed in the hotel, so their pre-game had been disrupted. And then they started that game, JD. Sorry? Gallagher Gallagher, started. Oh, Gallagher. Sorry, Gallagher was one of the ones that wasn't, and then was, sorry, yeah. But uh, but even so, it was disrupted, uh, you know, uh, start for Palace. And then obviously the Wilf red card at the end of that five minutes. Game's over, really, at that point, isn't it? Yeah, it happened to be the 10 minutes that a relative called me. So I left nil-nil and then came back and we were 2 nil down and and uh, and Wilf was off. Wilf was walking off as it happened. I thought, oh, good, lovely. Um, yeah, very, very disruptive uh, or disrupted preparation for the game. But to be fair to the players, and and I hope I'm saying this right, Ocean Roberts, is that right for our Welsh listeners? Ocean? I, I, saw, I saw Chris Grierson tweet, a pronunciation it was more like Oshan. okay yeah well mr roberts and uh, several <laughs> players um didn't really make any excuses for that they said you know it wasn't ideal but we did meet early on the day and they would have basically they would have stayed over the night before and they didn't 
Um, and then obviously the, in terms of player selection, there was a bit of um, a bit of an issue with, with who would actually be available, but not ideal, but plenty of clubs are going through that at the moment. And, um, you know, it just seems to be the, the, the situation the Premier League are letting manifest, but not ideal. It's, that 10 minutes was, was not great. Two goals, I don't know, just two goals that you do seem to concede when you're away at Spurs or, or someone, you know, Kevin touched on, on Kane being available. He shouldn't have been available, but he was, and he scores the opener. And it's, it's just one of those Boxing Day defeats that I hope we don't have to spend much time thinking about. Just about the red card, though, quickly. I just felt from minute one, John Moss had, and he gave serious dad being asked to referee five minutes before kickoff on a Sunday vibes. He did not want to be there. And he, for a Premier League referee, his mobility was embarrassing. I, don't, I, I, I know that Premier League officials you know, maintain a high level of fitness. So maybe he had a slight injury, a slight knock, but his mobility during that first half. Yeah, was, and also was glass houses with everyone on this podcast as well, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Sorry, 100%. <laughs> 100%. You know, I'm, I, you know, referees, I think, do, do get a, uh, an unfair kicking when it comes to their fitness. I think generally they do keep up with play, but Moss did seem to be quite away from a lot of the action in the first half. And then with the yellow card, which I think was justified, um, the second yellow especially, um, he was miles away, which does then give the whole, you know, indication that he wasn't especially up with play. I don't know. It, it was a red card for me in terms of it being a second yellow. No arguments with that, but I just felt. And then when it came to the Norwich game and Paul Tierney um, had uh, mic issues and comms issues with the game stop for six minutes, it wasn't lost on me that it was John Moss who was the VAR. I, everyone thinks that they were trying to fix VAR. I think Paul Tierney was trying to figure out how to turn off John Moss instead. But, you know, it's just... Uh, <laughs> It's one of those, but it's just one of those Boxing Day defeats that I think we should just gloss over. With with the issues that were at hand, yeah, I'm, I'm happy just to kind of forget that one now. We've got a horrible record there, haven't we? Yeah. We, we don't have a good one there. The, the new, John, uh, in terms of John Moss's fitness, and Dominic will know this, the, the fitness parameters for Premier League referees are astonishing. I mean, they worked, they, they worked really hard and they're tested twice a week on fitness level. So, if there is an issue with his fitness, then that's a Premier League problem. There shouldn't be. It looked like it, but he's just, we've got a crop of referees at the moment. I don't know how you judge how good a referee is, but we've got a crop of referees at the moment who don't seem to be doing themselves any favours with VAR decisions or on-field decisions, basically. The, well, I, was um, looking at the rot- I was looking at the rotation of the referees and all this comment, all this you know analysis of how many games the players are playing. The actual turnover of the referees wasn't that high. A lot of referees ref two games in three days which, you know, can't be fair on them either. So, I don't know, maybe maybe John Moss's fitness isn't the topic of discussion. I just felt that he he was quite away from the, the plan of the linesman, the system referee, whatever we should be calling them, um, was on that side of the pitch. And, and they've made the decision or indicated to Moss that it's, it's definitely a second yellow. I think there'd be less doubt about it, but the, the linesman was on the other side of the pitch. So, I don't know. I, I'm disputing something that I don't really want to dispute because I think it was a second yellow, so I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> The um the Paul Tierney one from the weekend was interesting because I saw Grio tweet this and I definitely thought the same thing that it was about five or six minutes we were waiting for him to sort his VAR thing out yeah. and then there was a I think a, a head injury as well during the first half the board goes up and it's five minutes it should have been it should have been about seven or eight um and there was a few goals as well so that's supposed to add thirty seconds on that, anyway that was that was a, that was a mercy injury time. Yeah, yeah, that was, that's yeah, yeah, that's probably fair. Um, Dom, I'll, I'll I'll go to you then, uh, and we'll try and tran- transition from Spurs to Norwich um, with this question from Crispin Chapel. 
Hello, Chris. Hello, Chris. Um, and it's on, it's on Wilf again. It says, with the performances seen so far this season and noting match the day, I've not mentioned it for a while now, have we finally kicked the cannot win without Wilf label into touch? We did have it previously in the season. I can't remember what game it was. And then obviously the Norwich game as a result of that red card meant we won uh, without Wilf as well. So do you think that, do you think that's something we are able to sort of, or we are transitioning away from? I think most Palace fans probably have transitioned away from that already. Uh, it wasn't a great example over the over this festive period because I think a lot of the, the players that we would hope would step into the breach um, to fill, um, you know, if, in if, in Wilfred's absence, you Michael Elise's Ebi Ebi Eze as well um, weren't available. They 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 all had their various COVID issues, but you know. Norwich was so pathetic; it didn't really matter. Um, but I, I don't think it's—I don't think it's a problem anymore. I think—I think it's—I think they've—they've—they've they've, they've got enough of Selzy's ball carriers now to to cope without him. Um, they've got arguably more forward options than they've ever had in the Premier League. Um, and so, having Zaha or, or not having Zaha is, isn't isn't quite as much of a a crisis when he's not there anymore. So that's that that's something to be um, to be happy with and pleased with. But I think at the moment everything's just so weird. I mean that, that whole the whole Spurs, as, as Jack says, that the, the whole um, everybody was frazzled around around that fixture. It's about routine with with footballers, and you know we can we can wonder why they they can't be professional. They they you know they they allow themselves to lack focus or whatever. But if you're used to you know, going to a hotel the night before a game, being as a squad, having your tactical meetings at a certain time, doing your walkabouts on the day of the game, going to the game. It's, it's drilled into them so often over the course of a season that, that suddenly when when there's all this uncertainty as to whether a game's going ahead or not, and clearly the club told the players not to meet up on, on the, the night before on Christmas Day, um, that completely throws all that and just that sense of chaos permeates through into the into the performance as well and it's not just happened to palace it's happened to other other clubs plenty of other clubs over this recent period um and and we should take that into account when 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 looking at performances where you know standards aren't aren't met um there was too much chaos around around that fixture uh, for palace to put a, a, a proper threat on the pitch against tottenham hotspur and and that's a shame but that's the way it is at the moment. Having said that, Dom, I think there are only two changes from the previous lineup, though, weren't there? So but, we but, surprised everybody because we were given the indication that the squad was totally decimated. Yeah, yeah and you're right on that. In as much as um, there was no way that Palace's appeal to get that match postponed was going to work, and for that to go in, I think it was at three a.m. over the night. I think that really annoyed people at the Premier League. So yeah, one change. But then we don't know. It, I mean, God, I've spent the last week or so listening to Thomas Tuchel whinging all the time about, about <laughs> the, the reality is that, okay, you may pick 11 players that look strong, but they're all in different stages of fitness. They're all, some of them have come back from COVID. When one, one of the guys that wasn't involved in that match had apparently had COVID in the week and was just back from a, um, from his period of isolation. So again, you just don't know the disruption this is, this is causing. It's, 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 on paper, it may look like a perfectly strong team. You know, Chelsea's on paper looks like a perfectly strong team. Um, 
with options on the bench as well. But but it's you don't know what state of fitness these guys are in and and health these guys are in at the moment. And that's 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 the problem. That's what's undermining. In some ways, it's actually undermining the integrity of the competition at the moment in a lot of matches. Yeah, it is making things more difficult, which I think makes results like the Norwich one um, more welcome because at least you can appreciate a very routine and solid win. Although, Don, please don't say Celsius ball carriers again because I think out of context, that could probably sound um, people weren't. Yeah. Um, let's move ball, on. Is that in the context it's meant, isn't it? Um, assumed. Have I got that wrong? No. To you, maybe, not to the rest of us. We'll talk about that off air. Um, is that this week's pod title? Yeah, it's <laughs> no, title. it's not. 100%. No. This week's pod title is Oceans 11, uh, even though I know it's, you don't say it like Oceans, but anyway. Um, giant underpants now. Is that, is that what you're. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I know I shouldn't have mentioned it. I knew I should have just moved on. Let's move on, Kevin. No, you, didn't move, you didn't mention John Mossy's record shop like you normally do. I know, I know. We've we got a lot to pack in this week. I and can't, also- you know. I can't poor old John Moss. Uh, we'll stop. We'll stop hammering him. Let's move on to the Norwich game then, Kevin. And it, we have to caveat everything we're about to say in the next bit about Norwich with the fact that they were absolutely awful. Also decimated by COVID and injuries as well. But, but they were very, very poor. But Palace, and as as Selzy says on on the extra pod, you can only beat what's put in front of you. And Palace put in a very sort of solid professional performance for the Premier League and a three 0 win. The name that's come up most pretty much of all of our questions this week is Jean-Philippe Mateta, yeah. who of course started and scored a very well-taken goal with his left foot to put Palace 2-0 up. And a lot of people are now starting to ask the question, where does that leave him in terms of his Palace future? Spoon Bill McHumpty, one of our favourites. Yeah. Uh, Domin- Domiusius, uh, Magic Cheese 72 and Jamie Penston Roger all asking the question, as does Mike Cooling, about his future. And Mike says, hello, panel. Mateta, do we keep him or not? Have a great year. Uh, Happy New Year. And thanks to your pods. Well, thank you, Mike, for that. Did it change your opinion about Mateta in any way, Kevin? I think Norwich, it's strange because they're such a poor team, but they try and play like a good team. But they try and play football they're not capable of doing. They can't put the amount of times they lost possession to us. And half the time it was Hughes winning it back or Chiati winning it back. Half the time it's just them giving it to us. But I, th- I thought Mateta, the Mateta goal deserved more praise than it got from the media because it came from probably you know the closest they came to scoring. Wardy brings it away. Really nice couple of passes and then a brilliant ball out to the left and back in. It's a brilliant finish. I suspect, as well as Mateta played, and I thought the whole front three played really well, a lot of movement. I don't think it's going to change where he is in the pecking order for Palace. I think it indicates what we've spoken about before, that we do have a stronger squad this season. But, yeah, we know if Eze was available, Eze was available, I think they would have started before him. It's it's brilliant that he took his opportunity when he came on um, and has given Vieira another good problem. But I don't think in the long run it's really changed... Anybody's opinion. I mean, he was the forgotten man for a long time. We've spoken about this on pods before, but I, th- I think he'll go back to fifth or sixth choice striker, to be perfectly honest, which is a shame because he's clearly a useful player. But you want to support a club that where useful players are struggling to get into the team, unfortunately, because that shows that you're doing well. Yeah, absolutely. And as you say, so we're in a much better position options-wise than we had been. And I'll come to Dom in a minute. Joe, I'll come to you first. But there there, there, ha- there was rumours last season of um, if he plays a certain number of games, Palace have to buy him for a certain fee and he wasn't playing because of that. 
But as Spoon Bill McHumpty, honestly my favourite listener, um, <laughs> mentions, maybe with COVID issues, he probably will stay to the summer. Do you think, Joe, we've just talked about all this sort of disruption that actually, even if Palace do have to pay a fee for him, he clearly can do a bit of a job. And we might be in a situation where, again, we do have issues of selection. So you know, maybe, again, having an option like that isn't necessarily a bad one. Yeah, we're in exceptional circumstances, really. I mean, well, it's been exceptional for two years, which is a bit... Does that make it exceptional still? I don't know. <laughs> it's but, exceptional um, now, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, and that, that may make the, the issue last a bit longer around Mateta. Mines have come public and have essentially said, we don't want him back, which I imagine might be just a negotiation tactic anyway. But finding another club for Mateta... Is is it their responsibility? Is it ours to to kind of help engineer that? Um, do, are that said club going to want to pay? Because although essentially I think it's an eighteen month loan deal with an obligation to buy, as far as I understand, after a certain number of appearances, the wages that that may activate uh, and a signing on fee or whatever I don't know. Um, then the next club may not be able to afford that. So it, there's further complications there. But for the time being, because Bessemi hasn't, he actually hasn't played that many games. I think that was only his fourth or fifth start in the 12 months. Um, I don't think it changes, I don't think it changes our need to to keep him beyond this season. But I was quite pleased for him just, I'm sure it's not been very great, had not been a great time for him. And he'd never really got the opportunity of even like a, a cheer on an ovation after the Brighton goal. Which would make be enough to make you a cult hero, any other time I think, and um, so I was quite pleased for him to get a start at Sellers in front of a crowd and get a goal just to have just to see that corner flag routine <laughs> in the flesh. Bless him. Yeah, I'd forgotten about the routine actually when he did it. I was like, oh, oh yes, now of course he does do love the sort of kick corner flag. Um, Jack, I'll come to you in a minute because I want to give you a chance to talk about Mateta, but also the Diet Kabai, who I'm sure you're desperate to talk oh, about. I can't wait. Um, but I'll come to Dom first because um, do we know anything about this deal and do we know anything about uh, an obligation to buy? And do you think that will have any effect on whether he stays or doesn't in January, again, given the COVID issues that Palace might come a cropper again at some point? Fred, I don't know what the intricacies of his contract and the loan deal are. I don't. I've seen all the stuff about fifteen starts, but I don't know whether they're true. Um, I don't think it will affect anything, to be honest. I think if Palace have a chance of of sending him back and bringing somebody else in, I think they would do that. Um, but. I, I mean, to be to be perfectly honest, I didn't think he played that well. Apart from a very nice finish, if I'm if I'm really honest, I, I but I didn't think Palace had to play particularly well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't think it was uh, one of our better performances of the season. I only stretched the imagination, um, but it was just against such feeble opposition. It was a, it was a very nice finish in a very very well constructed move. But and he had a little little thing in front of the main stand where he gathered possession on the on the touchline and. And, and shuttled it back in 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 field uh, a few minutes later, and you could just see that his his whole body language had been raised by the fact that he'd yeah. scored this goal, and he, he suddenly looked more confident and had a bit more belief about him. But but I mean, look, my colleague Matt Woosnam tweeted about two minutes before the goal went in that he looked completely lost on the pitch, and he did, he did. Yeah, well, yeah, as you say, it didn't have to be the best performance to uh, to, to beat Norwich. And I think, Chelsea said in the post-match, well, I think that was actually his first start since the Brighton game. Mm. He started he against Chelsea on the opening day. 
first day of the season. Oh, did he? Oh, there you yeah. go. Yeah, really I've wiped that from my memory. It was such well, that's just how memorable that was, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's terrible. Okay. Just, just on his contract, I don't know the details of his contracts, but it's really unusual for any uh, loaning club anymore to put in a specific minimum number of games they have to play because it's too easy to get around. Because clubs will simply not play him. It's it's a it would be a daft thing to put in any contract. Because if you say right, if he plays twenty times, you have to bid for him. He'll play nineteen times. It's as yeah. simple as that. It's it's a very easy one to to get round essentially. And, and it's most player clubs are really reluctant to take players on loan with an obligation to buy. Really yeah. reluctant because anything can happen in that loan period. So I'd be surprised if there was a. A, a clause like that in the contract but having said that it's Palace so I also wouldn't be surprised but it's it's an interesting one but I don't I, I, I just I didn't think he had that bad a game I thought he I thought he, his movement I mean, it might have been that it was aimless movement and he didn't really know what he was doing but I thought he, he gave Norwich defenders quite a lot to think about I thought the whole front freeze mobility was was good but as I say I don't think it's changed the way he's going to be viewed at the club, to be perfectly honest, yeah, I, I've, probably been Frank... bit, I've probably been a bit harsh there. I mean, when you when you pick somebody that big and you ask him to sit in the middle of the of the front three and you have the runners around him in Edouard and, and are you yes, you're going to occupy defenders, particularly defenders who are basically League One standard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean, it's it, it just look, he 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 did. I was I was really happy for it. It was a lovely finish. It was a really lovely goal. And in fairness, <laughs> his two goals for Palace have been brilliant in their own ways both of them um and it was nice for him to yeah nice for the supporters nice to be present when he's broken a, a corner flag but, but <laughs> it's I, definitely yellow card is... you get booked for it it's definitely yellow surely it's mad um no i thought the front three were all quite decent yeah, i think we're too I think with, a pie i think with mateta the bar is quite low i think anyway so but i thought he was, he was perfectly sort of competent but i mean the norwich were awful i mean the guy that ran on the pitch the norwich fan towards the end had more impact i think than most of the norwich team did for the rest of the game so they were they were very very poor um but Jack, let's come on to your quick opinion about Mateta, whether that's changed anything. And also, there were there were some good performances across the park. I actually thought Edward and Anayu were excellent, actually, and sort yeah, of okay. more effective than Mateta. And, uh, and the midfield were good as well. In particular, I thought Kiate was very good. But um, Will Hughes had a fantastic game. After a couple of maybe quieter performances, he was sort of back to that Everton performance again. Yeah, he, he was. Um, firstly, quick mention to uh, Noah, uh, who's eight years old. He's a a cousin of a good friend of mine. That was his first Palace game. So a 3-0 home oh, win is a pretty good first game. So shout out to Noah. He's got to come every week now. Um, Travelling from Norfolk, as the family did, is going to be a bit of a tough task. But that's the, those are the rules. So yeah. he's got to come every <laughs> week. So good luck to, good luck to Noah. Um, I thought Mateta... I know, look, we know he's limited. What I wanted to see from him, and I commented on this in the second half of, of last season with him, I wanted to see if he was stronger and fitter. I wanted to see if he'd adapted his kind of physicality. I had a friend of mine who sat, I think, row four or something like that in the in the lower Homesdale. And in the second half, he said how tired he was, like every run he was blowing. So I don't know if he's, I don't know, maybe applied himself as, I don't know why I'm analysing everyone's fitness this week, particularly after my Christmas diet. But <laughs> I just think maybe he, and maybe he hasn't had the indication that he will be getting a game and therefore hasn't, you know, got his head down as much as he could do. And then I just compare him to Benteco when he comes on and physically looks like a Rolls Royce and just dominates yeah. defenders and, I'm kind of with Dom in that I didn't think he had a particularly good game. However, the goal was was lovely. It was a lovely moment, really well taken. And as Kevin said, ended off what was a really, really good counter-attack. So good moment. I don't know what the future holds for him. I, I think if there's a better option available this month than there is a way, 
getting him back to Mainz. The club will look to do it, but it may well be that he's our number 14 until the season's out. Will Hughes, from minute one, was was really actually not from minute one because our first minute or so was pretty 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 rank actually yeah but missed passes everywhere it looked like a, the Christmas party continued long into the night but um, yeah from from the moment of that move that led to the penalty he ran the game I felt I felt his reading of the game was exceptional his passing was good but the the best element of his game for me was his tackling he was just on it every time uh, I know you know I'll offer the caveat that Norwich midfield was was pretty lethargic and terrible but. Every time the ball was there to be won, he was winning it. And if he wasn't winning it, Czech was winning it. And I just felt that that the midfield three, Schlupp kind of grew into the game as, as the half went on. But Will Hughes, you know, we talked about what a, a shrewd signing that could prove to be. And, and with performances like that, that £6 million initial fee is going to look better and better. I just thought he was really good. And, and the fact that we were able to take him off with 15 to go and keep his legs for, for the West Ham game... Um, is was was great and, and and shrewd management by um by the coaching staff so really pleased with him he he looks like a, a really really good player um and and someone you want to see in your side he's got that and I know that, you know the comparisons to goodbye are to be had by by anyone that wants to make those comparisons but there is that snide element to him that if he can win the ball but also leave a little bit on someone he will do which when he's your player you like to see when it's happening to your player you don't want to see but yeah, I, I I like him a lot. I, I think that's going to prove to be a really, really good piece of business by by the club. I agree. And actually, the more he plays like that, the more I kind of not quite sure how how Watford have let us get him so cheaply. But um, you know, that's not that's not really one for Seems debate. To me, they just they, they yeah they've just mismanaged that situation, haven't they? They let his contract perhaps get too mm. too far down the line, and and the players taking a chance to review his options and and made it clear that he wasn't wanting to sign on. So maybe they should have looked to discuss contracts with him twelve months earlier than they did. I don't know how contract negotiations negotiations like that work but perhaps it was just that he felt that he wasn't as wanted as he should have been well it's hard at Watford because there's a new manager every five minutes so it's difficult to sit down with Um, anyway look we don't want to get things to go on too long here and we want to look at our options in the break and when we come back that's a terrible link we're going to do our winners and losers of 2021 My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. 
It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome back to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Hey. Well, I went a bit squeaky there, didn't I? Um, it's the final Welcome pod. Back. Of... Welcome back to the podcast. <laughs> I'm so excited. The Palace have won. Um, it's the final pod of 2021, and we are sponsored by Eternity Home Finance. For a free consultation on anything to do with mortgages and property portfolios, email info at eternityhomefinance.com and quote the code FYP. Um, and if it's okay, let's do a little bit of um, promoting here. I forgot to mention it in part one. I am, in theory, doing my solo show, Football and Fatherhood. Um, at Vault Festival on January 26th at 6.30pm at a venue called Vaulty Towers in Waterloo. Um, assuming we don't go into lockdown. But um, if we don't, please do come along if you fancy uh, doing something in January and a night out. Uh, tickets are eight quid, I think, slash pay what you want if you fancy uh, paying a bit more. And you can get tickets from jimdailycomedy.com slash gigs. Um, so if you fancy it, please do come along. I've performed it a few times already uh, and it's gone okay. Uh, Julian Chenery gave me a five-star review. So... If that doesn't sway you, then nothing will. Let's do... Now, normally we do winners and losers just for our patrons. As it's a final part of the year, we're going to make this available to everybody. But if you are... I know, we're just too generous. But if you are someone that doesn't... Uh, isn't part of our patron and you like the sound of this and you want to hear this every week, please do sign up at patreon.com slash podcast. Uh, right, Kevin, let's come to you first for your winner slash winners of 2021. Um, I'm worried now that the patrons aren't getting anything special this week. Um, well, they get, an, they get an ad-free version of the podcast. So. Oh, do they? Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Okay, and you go around and do a little massage, don't you, as well? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't? Yeah, sometimes. Maybe. Yeah, they'll be ball carriers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm essentially playing for time because I, uh, as ever, didn't read all your email. <laughs> so I didn't get beyond the, pod link, the Zoom link, so I didn't realise this was happening. Um, loser, in, I think loser, and I, it gives me no pleasure to say this, Possibly Roy Hodgson in that I think the way Palace have changed has cast a more negative glow on what Roy Hodgson did for us than that. I think he's been remembered in a less kind way than he should be, to be perfectly honest, because we are trying to play football in such a different way. Roy Hodgson did remarkable things for this club. And yes, in the second and third seasons, it wasn't brilliant to watch, but he he you know, he virtually kept us in the Premier League. And I think he should be remembered in a more positive way. And, and people are already dismissing his his legacy, if you like. Winners, Vieira, and also I, I, I'd say this through the most gritted of teeth, probably some at some stage, I'm going to have to get this off my chest and say, oh. Dougie Freeman. <laughs> it's coming, guys. It's coming. We may have had something to do with 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 it, possibly. And we had a nice chat on the train before, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. So, yeah. So let's let's yeah. You can keep that keep that in, and then <laughs> let's never talk about it again. I think uh, I think the uh, 
the Hodgson thing is a fair point. And 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 if Vieira and Co were struggling at the moment, I think people would be looking more favourably probably on the the four years that we had of Roy. But as it is, we seem to have moved on and transitioned so quickly. Uh, but I think most Palace fans appreciate. Well, I hope I hope appreciate the job that he did. In no, no, it's 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 in between. Every in the Portsons before the Norwich game, it's interesting. Every single Palace game, every single Palace fan was t- was saying, "We're going to lose this. We'll lose this. Well, of course, we'll lose this. We'll lose this one 0 But there were quite a few people in there that we hadn't seen for a long time who simply stopped going because of the football they were being offered. You know, and this was before lockdown, and didn't want to come back. And of course, with every every person like that, it puts doubts in everybody else's mind. And the football has changed. So much for the better. We've just, we've just scored in nine Premier League games in a row, which we've never done before. So everyone's forgetting what a good job Hodgson did for us, I think. And it's important not to do that. Yeah. Um, and there was a stat about uh, we, we lost so 19 games at home now, 18 or 19, only lost one and scored. No, I lied. Sorry, 10 games at home, only lost one and scored 19 goals compared mm. to, I think, the last 10 games at home under Roy was something like 12 conceded and five lost or something like that. So uh, obvious improvements. Um, Joe, let's do. Um, we'll, we'll go down Kevin's route of doing this. We'll, yeah, do your winner and your loser at the same time for us. Oh, well, okay. we don't want to do that. I do apologise. No, it's fine. Yeah. Hey, we, it's end of the year. We'll mix things up. It's all good. Yeah. Um, I'll just do a quick loser because I don't really feel particularly that strong at all against anyone, really. But um, yeah, I'll just throw Yaroslav Ziak's name in there just so everyone remembers who he is. <laughs> oh, God, we're about him. <laughs> just so everyone remembers him. He's still here. Uh, and. Uh, <laughs> Um, but my winner, I think, uh, could be a long list to be honest. But I'll go Tyrick Mitchell yeah. because yeah, there was a conversation start of the year. You know, someone making more appearances in the team, rotating with Van Arnholt. We knew Van Arnholt's contract was up, likely not to stay. And it was, you know, the question was not if Tyrick would be the starter next season, but would he be? Is he ready yet? It is like you know, there were still questions asked. What we did know that he was a very good defender, but in the summer, I was still slightly concerned that changing our style of football would be able to adapt and be a bit more useful going forward. He he wasn't going to be the same as Van Arnold in that respect. I don't think he has to be, but could he balance his excellent defending, which he has maintained, by the way, uh, most tackles in the Premier League this season uh, of any player. Um, but what we've seen across the season, he has grown into it and he is part of that the system that helps create moving forward and he is useful he does get high up the pitch great pass for Edward in, in that, that counter-attack goal we mentioned uh, against Norwich yeah. and he's he's been involved and I just I'm not going to put any pressure on him about what he could achieve or where he is but we've just got in a, a year and a half essentially uh, a, a, a capable Premier League left back and that's a very competitive position these days in the league and we've got another gem from the academy whatever Brentford saved money wise to shut down that academy wasn't enough thank you very much (laughs) he's been absolutely fantastic and in fact actually we got a few questions I was going to do in part three but I'll do them now they're all pretty much the same question from Accini Benny Hook and Joe Dromi and I think this might be a question for Dom they're all asking about potential England future for Tariq Mitchell with uh, Joe Dromey even mentioning the World Cup next year. I mean, surely if he continues going on this way, especially with Chilwell's injury, which Benny Hooker's mentioned, then we've got to be in the mix, surely. 
yeah, you'd imagine so. He certainly will be on the radar. Um, I mean, Chilwell will be back for the World Cup. There's there's a small matter of Luke Shaw, who was one of our best players at the Euros. Yeah, he's okay. Um, England are quite well stocked at fullback. That's a problem. Um, and and they also play quite often play wing backs. And I'm not sure that even the way and the, weirdly actually Tarek is probably made for the, the wing back now. We didn't think he would be. We thought Patrick Van Arnold was going to be the Palace wing back um, option. But the way he plays up and down that flank and and makes an impression in the attacking third as well. Um, maybe he's got that in his locker. But yeah, Southgate will be well aware of the progress he's making which which is great i mean because he's, he's he you've, you've stolen my thunder joe he was definitely my winner for the year as well it's what joe does on the pod he needs to make sure he gets at least someone else's uh, but to be honest i think i think for anyone listening mitchell would be would be up there for a winner this year he's been consistently very 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 good and we seem to have unearthed another gem indeed um let's see jack let's have your loser and then winner and uh yeah tell us what you got so my my loser and we did touch on this just before we started recording about how he started the year and now it's just kind of fizzed out for him, but it's Gyro. Um, started the year with a contract extension. The club kind of highlighted it. It was a big moment for him. He, he played very well towards the end of 2020 and and at the time fully justified that contract extension. It was one of the many numbers that was out of contract um, come the summer. And then kind of form dropped after that contract extension. Didn't really end the season in, in any great form. Was part of Vieira's... Um, kind of pre-season plans but I don't know whether that just was because there weren't the numbers to 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 avoid that and whether he was was filling a hole that would be later replaced by others and, and that turned to be the case and then in terms of Premier League since the season started I don't know if he's featured this season I can't so maybe start of the seat maybe Chelsea there was that maybe the that day Anfield he was arguably responsible oh, yes. for two of the goals and yes. that, that may have he did you know, start. Cost, that may have um run against him in terms of how the management think about him. Yeah, but that's, as that's time true. proved, he was not the only person that was quite weak at set pieces this season. So I, I <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, set set pieces like, were not fixed after no, that, yeah. No. Yeah, um, I think he was just so, a victim of being the first one yeah. to, to highlight. Yeah. So I, I feel for him because, I, you know, he was in a good place at the start of 2021, you know. Um, scored a very good goal at Newcastle. Um, was was playing really well in, in the middle of, of the pitch and and kind of suited what Roy was doing in that you know resolute defensive midfield role, but also had the the technical quality to to push the ball further up the pitch into our um, into our more attacking players. But yeah, under Vieira, I, I don't know how he gets back in the team. To be honest, I, I think it would take a a long sequence of injuries or absences for him to come available. I guess with Czech going to to Afcon in January, there's a chance that he would maybe get minutes in the Millwall game, possibly. I don't know. But 2021 has, has maybe not gone as, as well as he would have hoped. Um, in terms of my winner, and I say this is the self-appointed president of JWAS, the Joel Ward Appreciation <laughs> Society, um, he is my winner. So uh, I'll, I'll replicate the, the thanks in terms of our left uh, fullback that Joe's offered for our right back. I, I just think he has done really well, given that he was out of contract in the summer and probably had indications that he would be kept on, but still had the uncertainty of who's the new manager going to be. Will that contract offer still be on the table when, when the new manager has been appointed? Will he adapt to the new style of play um, and the new teammates? I think he's had a really, really good first half of the season, given all, all things considered. Um, and, you know, him with the armband, I think it, it's, it suits him. I think he's showing some leadership with the armband that, um, that we probably need um, in in the last few games. He's he's always available. Uh, you know, he's he's very rarely absent 
um, due to injury. So you know that that's that's very reliable, um, particularly when games are coming coming thick and fast. And I just think he's yeah he's he's, he's the with Wilf he's the last of that brigade of the 2012-2013 brigade. So as long as we we've got Joel, then I think we can still look back at that time and and think that we're still on that journey. So I um yeah I'll, I'll give Joel Ward my my man of twenty. 21 not just palace related he's just my man of 2021 so <laughs> he's that, done yeah he's done that, that block he put in at the end of the first half yeah against yeah Norwich although again it came from bad defending from the cross as did um Gaeta's accidental save <laughs> yeah yes. headed it onto the top of Gaeta's head and onto the bar yeah both, Gaeta had a bit of a, a bit of an odd 90 seconds there yeah but uh, both again both from bad defending against crosses against Norwich yeah. so you didn't get um Dom's loser well, let's let's get let's get Dom's uh, loser and winner. Yeah, they've had his winner, Tyreek. Oh, oh yeah, sorry, Tyreek right. and Joel were the two that I noted down. But can I can I put an honorary mention then to to Parish Friedman and Ian Moody for instigating a summer of change? Um, everybody told them they were absolutely insane to let so many players go out of contract hmm. and to do all this at a time when they were also changing the manager. Um, we've actually got to a situation now where, okay, Palace haven't won maybe as many games as they'd like to, but um, they're safely in mid-table and, and other clubs are actually starting to look at what Palace have done and believe it's a blueprint for their own futures. So, I mean, that's that's pretty much quite a good praise within the industry. Um, losers, I was tempted to say Nuno Espirito Santo, <laughs> tempted to say Lucien Favre, although that probably would have meant I was also a loser for suggesting that the deal was very, very close. <laughs> um, but I'll stick with Frank Lampard because, quite frankly, he had a chance to, to take that job. Mm. He was on the list. Um, he but thought he had a chance. He didn't, and he's not in employment. Do you, do you think we would be doing as well if Lampard had taken the job, assuming the transfers were the same? Well... <laughs> I don't think I don't think you can answer that in that within that context because I don't think the transfers would have been the same if they'd appointed him. He would have had a I think we would have had a lot more players um, from Chelsea uh, on our hands now because that seemed to be the only way that it would work. Um, I'm I'll suffice to say I'm very happy it's gone the way it has. <laughs> I think yeah I think we all are. Um, Good stuff. Well, that's our winners and losers of 2021 wrapped up. Thank you very much. Uh, that is obviously normally a patron feature. So if you want to hear that uh, from the first part of 2022 going forward, which we do weekly, please sign up to patreon.com forward slash FYP podcast. Um, after the break, questions. Hi, Phil Swift here for New Flex Superglue. What's truly amazing is that our Flex Super Glue is so strong that just one drop virtually welds itself to the surface and can lift over three tons. Forget those old Super Glues, get the one that's new Flex Super Glue. Go to flexsealproducts.com forward slash three ton lift to learn more about how one drop lifted three tons. For demonstration purposes only. Take as little as three minutes to see if you could save on motorcycle insurance with Progressive. Come on, you've spent more time than that trying to name your bike. Hmm, how about the Crusher? I guess it's not really crushing anything. The Silver Bolt? No. Oh, oh, what about Pepper? Mysterious. Is it a pet or a condiment? Surprise! It's a motorcycle. (gasps) Uh, no. 
Get a quote in as little as three minutes at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome back to the Five Plan Podcast. Pod four ten final pod of twenty twenty one. Sponsored this week by Eternity Home Finance for a free consultation on anything to do. With, I've done it again on anything. <laughs> I'm just so excited. I'm just so excited. Um, and anything to do with mortgages and property portfolios. Email info at eternityhomefinance.com and quote the code FYP. Let's see if I can not be squeaky in part four. Uh, but in part three, it is questions from our listeners. Now, lads, what I've failed to do when I've prepped you for the pod is tell you one of these questions from Paulie Mantel, which was most typical Palace moment of 2021. So I'm going to say that now, and then I'll come back to it in a couple of minutes and give you guys time to think of uh, think of an answer. Before we do that, Kevin... We've got 48 hours till January happens, which of course means the transfer window opens, which means we've got loads of questions from our listeners. So let's go to one from Alex Burt. Hello, Hello Alex. Alex. Who simply says, where should we look to strengthen in January if there's money to spend? What do you think? So you're now asking me to answer a question while also thinking back to my Typical Palace moment of 2021. I thought I thought you're the best multitasker out of anyone here. And essentially, I can't remember what happened before <laughs> Christmas Eve. <laughs> I can't remember much of what happened between Christmas Eve and today. With that, so that's going to be come to me last on that one. Okay. What was a transfer question? <laughs> uh, where should we look to strengthen in January? Do you know what? I, we we touched on this a couple of pods ago. I wouldn't be surprised if there isn't any transfer movement. In it. And I, I notice, I wonder if it's a reflection on how well Wilf's been doing. That there's been no talk at all. You know, no one's worried about someone coming in for Wilf, which is interesting. But I think, I, I don't know how fit Ferguson is, because you'd think, you know, Wardy is, has had a brilliant season, but you'd think maybe some cover right back, maybe another body in midfield, maybe some, you know, everybody wants a 20 goal. Uh, a season striker we probably can't afford the sort of players that will do that for the rest of the season so it's one of those rare transfer windows where I wouldn't be worried if we didn't bring anyone in because we did such good business in the first hand it's it's really interesting Danny Murphy on match of the day too comparing you know Norwich haven't spent no money Norwich have brought some players in they're just not good players I think they've spent nearly 50 million quid on players that were, are not fit for purpose. And I, if I, if I was, in fact, if I was a Norwich fan, I'd be quite... I don't see the point of getting into the Premier League and then not trying to stay in it. I know financially it's a stable, secure model, but eventually there's going to be a couple of seasons where you don't get out of the, prim, out of the Championship and then you end up going the wrong way. So that I'd be annoyed if I was a Norwich fan. But no, I, I'd, I wouldn't be upset. But Danny Murphy pointing that out, I wouldn't be that upset if we didn't bring anyone in, which is a, which is really unusual for Palace. Normally you can go, well, here, here and here. But at the moment, I think we're all right. That's definitely the first time I think anyone said that on this podcast, I think going into January. And obviously 
seeing Ferguson come on at Spurs was uh, was fantastic after obviously his lengthy wait, uh, and we've seen Kleine come back recently as well. I think so. Yeah, I don't know. Does anyone else actually from the other three? Any three of you have any particular wishes for January? Or actually, I think I might be sort of swearing with Kevin on this one. Has anyone got any particular things they want? I think other than the discussion about maybe Mateta going and someone coming in, it's the only part of the squad that I can think there might be any changeover, unless there's a good deal to be done ahead of a contract running out next summer that of a player that Palace are looking at already. I, I can't really see it, to be honest. Okay. That seems, that seems to be our MO, doesn't it? Quite, quite often we are looking ahead to players that are available in the summer rather than, than now. Wow, that's quite rightly. That's how it should be. I mean, that's where you get your bargains. This is when when Vicente Guaita was signed in January ahead of ahead Mm. of a summer move. This is when you you open negotiations with with players who are in the last six months of their contracts on the continent. That's what we should be doing, and and it's it's a sign of an organised recruitment department to to behave that way. So, I I think there will be a lot of planning ahead for the summer. They're 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 they'll be happy that they're in a position where it looks as if Premier League survival is very much within grasp. So they can do that from a position of relative strength. Um, And I think a lot of prospective signings will have seen how Palace have played over the first half of this season and thought, wow, they're going places. Also, it's going to be difficult doing transfer business this January because every agent in the world is going to be really busy trying to offload their shit players to Newcastle. <laughs> Basically, there'll be yeah. there'll be a lot of videos flying into the uh, Newcastle reception in the next couple of days because that's going to be really interesting to see what they do. Although I suspect he'll go back to Bournemouth and buy free players from there and just see what he seems to be doing anyway, rebuilding it Bournemouth styling. Well, I think it'll if, be easy if, for. If, I was just going to say, if, if you're listening, we'll we'll take twenty million for Yaroslav Yak. So uh, <laughs> come on, Newcastle. <laughs> It's going to be difficult for a lot of a lot of clubs to to um, to bring players in because a lot of suitors aren't going to be uh, willing to let them go because mm. of COVID. I mean, you can have your entire mm. squad wiped out over the mm. you know one night, um, and you can be playing the reserves, you know, in a, in a fixture the next day. So it's people are going to need bodies around. So um, I, I, I think it'll be difficult to do an awful lot of business, but. But they'll wheel and deal, and they've they've shown they can do that well and effectively. Is it possible that the more likely signings between now and the end of the season are contract extensions mm. for the likes of Wilf and maybe even James MacArthur? Would they probably be more important right now than making yeah. additions in January, um, especially Wilf to avoid a summer of speculation while he be one year away from his contract expiring? I don't know. Just chucking it out there is that might be the the more likely. Uh, I don't know whether they do that in January, yeah. given that it'll be in um, Cameroon. But um, that's true. But yeah, it's uh, you know planning uh, that goes into the planning. That's yeah. The play, a lot of players out of contract, not quite as many as last summer, but a lot. And some of those have been actually quite key members of Vieira's team. Some of his favourites. I mean, Kiate's in that in the mix as well, isn't it? Of course. So, yeah. It is very weird. Got... To be in, sorry, Jack, to be in a position where not really fretting about what Palace. <laughs> might or might not do actually and feeling quite confident and actually I remember last year the contract thing being a we talked about that every week the contract issue um and it all went fairly smoothly and and this year it hasn't really come up as much of a conversation so you know hopefully if Palace do as well as it did last summer then it shouldn't be a problem the slight problem in terms of player availability though Joe will be AFCON which is obviously uh kicking off next month uh with a question here from Chris Young Hello, Chris, Hello, Chris. Who says, uh, which player will the team miss most? Are you Kiate, 
or Zaha. We did obviously talk earlier about having better options in the squad, but they are going to be three players. Actually, Sluppy going as well. No, he was not called up. No. No. It was not called up. So that's that's three <clears throat> players that we are obviously going to do without, or are going to have to do without this month. Yeah, I, I think in theory that each of those players has relatively sort of obvious direct replacements. I think I prefer Kuyate to, to Luca in that sort of role, but that's the, I imagine would be the designated replacement unless Vieira has an interesting Hughes and MacArthur together. That could be really interesting. Could be very sexy football. I'd like to quite like to see that. Um, <laughs> Wilf, Wilf, Wilf would always be missed. You can't hide from that, but um I don't uh, whether it would be Elise or, or Eze playing a wider than he would perhaps like to be in that position. That's where you're looking, and I think the Mill game, in fact, will be quite. Uh, I think we'll, that will be used as an opportunity to just see what works. Granted, it's not the, the greatest caliber of opposition, but it will be a really sort of high high intensity game, and I, and I think we'll learn a lot from that fixture beyond it just being trying to assert local dominance or whatnot. Um, IU as well, I think, spoken about every week on here. Uh, some of the punditry, I think it was mentioned on here, maybe Danny Higginbotham, uh, spoke about how Gallagher's most effective when IU hugs the touchline and provides that room for Gallagher to sort of adventure in. And with whoever would take that spot in the team, I don't know if Elise's yet to, he's yet to show that he can do that in the same way. Um, I don't know who else would be tasked with doing that. That might be quite an awkward uh, thing to to deal with. Uh, but for, relatively speaking, previous seasons where this might have happened, we are kind of, and it t- ties back to the transfer conversation, we're a lot more prepared for it than we have been yeah. for a long, long time. The fact that they're, we're talking about which option rather than who the hell do we put there, it's we've got it be one of these two players. So that's that I'm I'm not too worried in the circumstances. Um we can't I'm sorry, Joe, we can't be giving credit to Danny Hickenbottom on this podcast. No, sorry. I know it's been sixteen years, but it's not it, not long enough yet. Not long enough, exactly. Um okay, l- listen, let's move on to another question because I think I think we're feeling fairly okay about transfers and AFCON and barring a COVID disaster. I think we feel like maybe we're in quite a healthy position. So here's a question from the Hong Kongese Tommy Shelby. Oh, um, hello. I had to Google. I had to Google that. It's the main character from Peaky Blinders, um, which shows how up to date I am with popular culture. Um, Did you not know that? No, no. I haven't. I watched the first like half episode of that, and I just didn't. I didn't give it enough time to get into it. Uh, but I'm sure it's. Brilliant. You should watch the Patreon version of Peaky Blinders. It's great. <laughs> yeah, it's no adverts. Um, let's. Because uh, you'll have noticed, guys, that we haven't had our usual question about turning the corner, but. The Hong Kongese Tommy Shelby has turned it into a question for this week by saying, was 2021 a massive corner that Palace turned? (laughs) Nicely done, Tommy. uh, Transforming from relegation fighting to a solid mid-table Premier League side. Jack, I'll go to you for this one. It it has felt like a big corner turned. Yeah, I mean, I was listening to esteemed pundit Steve Claridge. Uh, uh, no, not really. I just thought. <laughs> Anyone else that we could mention as a good pundit that we hate? No, no. Um, I think it probably is. I think it's a, it, it was a corner in the sense that we all knew it was coming. We all knew the summer was massive. And and so far, we've we've managed it. We, the royal we. Yes, yeah, so I, I decided that uh, that we are doing the right thing. No, I, I think it's going really well. And 
uh, yeah, I think it's been managed as well as it can be. To be honest, that, that, that's, that's my answer. I, I don't think there's much more to say other than we saw it coming, we knew it was going to be big, and so far, so good. And it was Sorry, like Kevin. The summer was like uh, three months of walking down the bunny hole between the Porsons and Sellers Park. And it's would we turn the lucky way or would we turn the wrong corner? I mean, it seems that so far we've turned left. We've turned the right corner, the left corner, which is the right corner. So, yeah, I think so. I think it's a good question. But, yeah, I mean, things are looking good at the moment. And we seem to be in whatever the opposite of a vicious circle is. We seem to be spiralling in the right in the right direction. Yeah. And, Dom, it's obviously, I mean, we're still, you know, to, to keep the metaphor going, we're still turning that corner and we still are in transition. And there are still things to work on, obviously. I know set pieces comes up a lot. But if you'd have offered most Palace fans where we are right now at dinner 21 in the summer, I think they'd have they'd have taken it, surely. Yeah, look, we've 19 games, 23 points. That's what we had exactly the same stage last season. So, you know, there's progress and there's there's progress. The, the, real, the, the real progress this year has been the style of play and the integration of the new players and, you know, what could have been uh, a difficult summer of upheaval and um, a, a difficult transition has been has been smooth, but but you know the real progression comes is what happens next. You know where do we end the season? Where do uh, I don't think? I mean the, the the question is suggesting that we've been transformed from a mid-table team in sorry from a relegation struggles into a mid-table team. Well, we haven't. We're 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 exactly where we were. We were a mid-table team last season. We're mid-table team this year, but at least now I think we can see, you know, a direction of a direction of uh, travel um, of, of a progression um, with younger players in the team and and a, a style that we can all get behind. I was a I I loved everything that Roy Hodgson did at Palace, and and he, I bought into the mentality that he instilled in his team, but um, but that group of players had run its course at the club and indeed by the end of it all it was time for a fresh start in the dugout as well so I think well, everything that's been achieved so far this season has been great um, but the very fact that we you know the very fact that Celsius sits here still and, and uh, bemoans the fact that we wasted so many points and we could have seven or eight more points than we have it suggests that there are there is mm. still a lot of scope for improvement which is great that's, which is yeah. what you want that's exactly yeah absolutely I'd rather that than the other way around um, yeah. Right, let's come on to then most typical Palace moment of 2021. I'll go to Kevin last. So who looks most confident? Oh, God, no one. Um, Joe, I'll come to you first. Okay, I'd, I've, I thought I'd try and get out of the recency bias and I thought I'd look at some of the results from the back end of last season in 2021. And the go-to has to be, if it's a positive typical Palace, I think the I think the Brighton win. Yeah. Just the, the circumstances, the, the, the goal scorers... In looking back now in hindsight, um, well, it meant a lot. Benteke really needed that goal. Yeah. And Mateta, little did we know that was going to be kind of almost the last we saw of him. Um, to a real back, that it's a very extreme version of it. But, you know, I think not all Roy Hodgson games at Palace were like that, but that was a performance that he would be, be proud of. You know, like we might not have the quality here or that, you know, Wolf was missing, but defended for our lives and rode our luck, whatever, but then took the chances that we got. And it's a shame it was behind closed doors. Could you imagine? Could you imagine how that would have gone down? Oh, fantastic. Yeah, that's a good choice. And a nice positive spin on typical Palace as well. Uh, Jack, 
Let's come to you. Yeah, I'll, I'll redress the balance in terms of the positivity. <laughs> I, guess. Uh, I think typical, and it's Brighton at home in in September. Just the that goal yeah. to to drop two points that were definitely ours. We were by far the better team for that whole game. I think even the the most avid Brighton fan would would agree with that. Um, so maybe there was a little bit of the world, um, yeah, balancing itself out with that. But yeah, that that just last minute the the kick to to concede that goal from the state of play with sixty seconds on the yeah. clock just. It still blows my mind. I often still just drift off into that moment thinking, how did that goal go? But it did. And um, it kind of highlighted things that, that Vieira needed to look at. And unfortunately, we have also dropped points in other areas. But in terms of typical Palace, I think that's the other end of the spectrum to, to what Joe said. Both against Brighton, they obviously mean those those moments probably uh, mean a bit more and, and, and kind of stick in the memory a little bit more. But yeah, that, that for me was was typical palace <laughs> yeah and neil mope as well could have been anyone else bar oh, lewis God. dunk maybe but do yeah not, he's do not talk to me about that guy just... no um dom typical palace moment 2021 i don't know if it's a moment but i think we've got a typical palace team now one that i'd like to to think is a typical palace team a lot of hungry young um south london or london boys in you could, you could count the you know mitchell Gay, Eze, Elise, people like that who um, who are relatively local and um, raw potential, really. Um, which we've, you know, when when you look back at Palace's greatest moments in their history, they they tended to to be around hinge upon potential. Um, it's often been refined elsewhere, ultimately, but hopefully this time it, it stays local. Um, and you can chuck. Wilford, I know he's not young. I think he's 37, according to Jack. Um, <laughs> and uh, But you can chuck him in there as well. It just feels like a typical Palace team now. I looked at the side that they <clears throat> went out against, um, even against Norwich, but but you could go back at, earlier in the season to say, I don't know, the Newcastle home game, which was the first match I'd been to back at Sellers with with fans, with a, with a full capacity Sellers Park um, again. And I took my lad and it was just, it was just great. It just felt, I just felt this is a Palace team and I can get behind them. Okay, they might not win every week, but yeah, they're great fun to watch. It is. It is they are an enjoyable team, definitely, yeah, at yeah. the moment, um, yeah. whether they win or not, to be honest. Um, Kevin, here we go. Most typical Palace moment. I thought Dom was going to uh, mention it there, but the most typical Palace moment was all the excitement after waiting so long to get back to Sellers Park for football again all the excitement around the first home game getting to the pub early everyone happy to see each other walk into Sellers only to be confronted by 14 mile long queues <laughs> state of the art ticket system wasn't working and blokes were trying to put their flasks of tea into the thing and everyone trying to read barcodes that were obviously meant for Tesla it's just yeah, that was so typical. Just by the time you got in, you just go, I might as well go home. It's going to be half past three before we get in now. And then they're opening gates left, right and centre and everyone's stampeding in. And everyone's yeah, totally, not one person wearing a mask after. It's super spreading. Of it. And, and again, typical Palace. It's, I, I probably get an email every half hour saying, you know, make sure you, you definitely not got any symptoms. You got your make sure you got your COVID pass ready. You're not getting near the ground without your COVID pass. 
Not one person, not one steward checking any anything at all. Nothing. I was the only person I had. My, he actually said to me, why are you holding your phone up? I said, this is my, it's my NHS. He said, well, what, I said, what am I doing with that? While he was searching me for five minutes. He's like, I just, just, just want to show you my... I've just been... Look, it's just... That was typical Palace. And then, again, even <laughs> we're in the pub talking about how worrying the situation is, the spread of COVID, and there's 15 of us sat around a table. <laughs> <laughs> literally, literally leaning in, and then we're in. Even even in the Norwich game, there's a little bit more. You, you, you like that going shoulder to shoulder. Going, it's terrible, isn't it? <laughs> my mask. It's, it's, it's... <laughs> to be fair, I went in. Where, what entrance am I? Twelve and thirteen, I think. And there was a lady with a clipboard checking checking passes there. So maybe the memo didn't get round to all the quite viewers. possible. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think that's a very good very good pick for typical Palace. Uh, so there we go. Our typical Palace moment. Moments of 2021, and that wraps up our questions for 2021. So thank you very much for all your questions this year. Please keep sending them in. Um, sorry we can't read them all out, but we do appreciate receiving them. Uh, right, we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to preview West Ham at home. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome back to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Hey. Final pod of 2021, final preview of 2021. It's West Ham at home, uh, which I think, Kevin... Oh, let me do our sponsor first. Nearly forgot that. Nearly forgot that. Final time this year. Uh, we are sponsored, of course, by our friends at Eternity Home Finance. For a free consultation on anything to do with mortgages and property portfolios, email info at eternityhomefinance.com and quote the code FYP. Um, Kevin... Before last night or before Tuesday, uh, it was looking like West Ham at home might be quite a sort of nice way to kick off the new year. But they then got a fairly convincing win at Watford four uh, one, and you don't never really quite know with this West Ham team who's going to turn up. But I think it's it's going to be a test for Palace to kick off the new year. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to do this really quickly, JD, because this is a sentence I never thought I'd ever say, but there seems to be a chicken on my fence. <laughs> okay, uh, sounds yeah, like an excuse. Four- Rather optimistically, the people four houses down, not knowing South London that well, bought a chicken coop <laughs> recently. Uh, so we get woken up. Being South London, the, the, it doesn't crow till about half nine in the morning. But they, <laughs> one of them seems, was interesting. Uh, yes, the West Ham had hit a, a flat patch, hadn't they? They, they, I think, struggled for only one one of the previous four or five. They won't find it as easy against that. Jared Bowen looked, from what I saw in the highlights, Jared Bowen looked like he was a really good player, but. He'll find it much more difficult up against Mitchell than he, he found it up against Watford's left back. I think I, I'm hoping West Ham will think that their run of indifferent form is over because of that fairly easy win against a Watford team that, that looked half decent up front, but really can't defend. And I think we'll give them a, a, I think we'll give them a tough match. And it's also it was the second part of the second half away at West Ham where we our season really kicked off. 
the first half of West Ham, we weren't good at all. And in the second half, after about 10 minutes, something kicked into gear. We started playing much further forward. Gallagher took the ball by the scruff of the neck. If the ball has a scruff of the neck, I don't know. <laughs> uh, a, a game doesn't have a scruff of the neck either. Um, I, I, it, uh, yeah, I think it should be a really good game. And I I think if we were playing West Ham at Sellers Park four games into the season, I'd be more worried than I am, I am now. And it's always... It's going to be a brilliant atmosphere. Dom touched on the atmosphere. I think it's always raucous against West Ham, so it should be fun. It's going to be floodlights from the start. So good. Well, yeah, yeah well, we'll see. I'm going to sort this chicken situation. Happy, happy New Year, everybody! Happy New Year. Happy New bye, Year, Kevin. Bye, bye, bye. The thing is, Joe, we're obviously going to. I think the Afcon players will still be here because I think the uh, deadline's been extended to January third. So will Fayou and Kiate still be with us before they head off? And barring any sort of covid i don't know if gallagher's back i don't know if he'll possibly still be still be isolating so it's very hard to really sort of predict what the team's going to be up until sort of hours before the game really isn't it yeah very much so and if it is if, if gallagher is absent again um i imagine it's kept the same as it was uh, against norwich which i must be i'll, I'll give schlup some credit i i'm quite vocally against the idea of him in central midfield um but maybe it was the opposition but I thought he played really well, certainly in the first half uh, against Norwich. So that probably enough to warrant keeping that place. But West Ham's altogether a different proposition. And it will be a very good game. And I think Palace are at their best, this version of Palace, are at their best with another team that equally backs themselves against us. You know, we, yeah. we've sometimes struggled to break some teams down at home. Um, we haven't actually played many great, many of the strongest sides at home yet. This is probably our unless I'm forgetting one of our sort of biggest home fixtures. Just Spurs, so I think, isn't it? So far? Yes, Spurs, yeah. So I'm quite interested to see how that plays out. Um, how the centre-backs are going to deal with Antonio. Because um, he kind of had had Anderson on the ropes at, 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 at um, the London Stadium. But I think it's a game. It's the perfect kind of game for this time of year, actually. I think if if the fix the tight schedule is designed for, for not have, us not having to make too many long trips and stuff, I quite like the idea of London derbies and London games in in the Christmas New Year period. I think that classic uh, IU solo goal was a Boxing Day yeah. fixture. In fact, yeah, I think it was. Yeah, so maybe I'm just that's that's influencing my thinking on that. But I'm really looking forward to it. It's a proper proper test. It's annoying that we have to call it London Stadium, isn't it? It's just it's the, it's so annoying. Um, but yeah, it will be it will be a test. And actually, Jack, if we, I know it's already only a few days since we obviously lost at Spurs, now disappointing. But if Palace get any sort of result from this, and then obviously the game after that is Millwall in the third round of the FA Cup, you're probably looking back at the festive period and thinking Palace have sort of done okay. <clears throat> I think if before these three fixtures you said we'll take four points, I probably would have taken that. So uh, anything other than a defeat, I think we'll, we'll be on uh, on good ground, particularly given the disruption to the squad, albeit, you know, many other squads are experiencing the same thing. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, you know, relatively confident going into this game after the, the Norwich performance. I think there's um, there, there are positives to take out that performance in terms of people that kind of fitted in. I don't know who might be available. Maybe uh, Ezen Elise might be more likely to feature them or be available than Gallagher, given that they missed the Spurs game because of it. But I, I've lost track of how many days you have to isolate, to be honest. I don't, I, I don't know who will be available. I, I haven't really put any thought to that. 
I think we're a little bit unfortunate that Declan Rice's fifth booking came one game mm-hmm. early for us. He he missed a Watford game uh, because of that, so he'll be back rested and you know with a little um, little bit more energy, having missed a Watford game uh, for them. He'll he'll definitely come back into their starting eleven. And and for me, he's been one of the standout central midfielders in in the league this season. So he he really is outstanding, and he's always impressive against us. Um, he always does a very good job in terms of progressing their team, but also kind of fills in across to support his fullback. Um, typically Kufal against Wilf in the last few games. Wilf don't really recall him doing much against West Ham recently because of how well West Ham have managed him. So it'll be a good game. 5.30 kickoff, evening kickoff. Should be a good atmosphere. And um, one that I hope will will be a good part of. And, and if we could take anything from it, I think it'll be a good result. I think it will be Kufal playing. Because I, th- I think Cresswell's still out injured. I, th- I think they played Johnson at well, left back and Kufal yeah, at right they, back. I think that's right. And I think Kufal um, was suspended a a couple of weeks ago for a red. So he's certainly back in the team and he started at Watford. Um, and I think he's good. So him with the support of, of Rice coming across from, from midfield yeah. is, a, is a fairly decent uh, defence. Rice is very good. I think he's one of the best midfielders in the country. Personally, I think he's absolutely excellent and will end up, I think, at a top six club very soon. But also, like West Dom, Ham. Like, like, West Ham. <laughs> like West Ham. But they also, Dom, they have, you know, in front of, of Rice and Suchek, they have an array of attacking abilities, you know, Lanzini and Ben Rama, who seems to have hit a little bit of form as well recently. Bowen, who's been absolutely excellent in the last few weeks. And then Antonio, who typically had been on a barren spell, found his scoring touch again um, recently. So it's going to be a real test, assuming, as Joe says, there aren't too many disruptions to the Palace team. I mean, even if West Ham had were still on their, their difficult run, they're still a very difficult team to beat. And assuming there aren't any disruptions to the West Ham team as well. I mean, yeah, Fournells yeah. has got COVID, so, you know, that's it's clearly in the camp. So you never know who you're going to face. Um, but, yeah, you're right, that forward the forward line is is impressive when they're all on song. Antonio Bowen and Ben Rama or, or Vlasic, who scored the other day, uh, they have got good options there. But I'd look at their defence and think there are, there's an opportunity for Palace. I mean, Dawson and Diop as centre-halves, you imagine this is a game when Benteke comes back into the Palace lineup, and maybe Edward plays wide and Will from the other in the other role, and that's that that should test them. Um, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by by who um, Vieira and Roberts pick for for Palace and who is available for them. I, we we don't know. The bottom line is we don't know yeah. how long these guys are out for. We don't even know officially that they have COVID. Yeah. I mean, I guess. <laughs> It, as is a state of things at the moment, there is always the possibility that they're self-isolating because they're unvaxxed, some of these guys. We don't know. Yeah. No one knows. Um, but but that, that is the uncertainty. We just, don't have a, we just don't have a clue from day to day who is going to be available for these matches. That is, that is the reality of football at the moment. Uh, but we do know that what that this will be a proper Premier League game of football. It won't be like Norwich at home or Watford away. So I, I think it, it's a it's a game to be steeled for and, uh, and, and yeah, to be ready for a challenge. It'll be, a, it'll be a really difficult game for Palace and hopefully it'll be a really difficult game for West Ham too. And I assume we might see Vieira back on the touchline has been isolated long enough now. Okay. Who, who knows? Yeah. It is funny how um, players partners, Instagrams have suddenly become massive with this COVID outbreak. Remember, obviously I try not to mention fantasy Premier League too much, but people were scanning Joe Cancelo's wife's Instagram to see if he was featuring in that ahead of their game against Brentford as well. So, but yeah, it's weirdly become a real sort of source of team news um, 
But anyway, we'll, as Dom says, we will see who plays. Hopefully not too much just more disruption for Palace going into this game. Um, and that wraps up our final pod of 2021. So, lads, thank you so much for joining me um, for this end of year pod. I really appreciate all your time this year uh, taking part on the podcast. So thank you so much. Thank you to our sponsors, Eternity Home Finance. We love having them on board. Thank you to our patrons, who we love. And our legacy fans who we love as well, just 20% less. No, I'm just, I'm joking. We love you all. Thank you so much for your questions, your support, and for listening each week. We do appreciate it. We'll be back in 2022 reviewing that West Ham game. But until then, have a happy new year and we'll see you again very soon. Goodbye. Podcast Network.